You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Your Green Bay Packers are the 2020 NFC North Division Champs. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemps Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay, somewhat sloppy, but also showing some signs of real growth. 31-24, division title clinching road win over the Detroit Lions on Sunday at an empty Ford Field. With the win that again clinches the division title, the Packers improved to 10-3 on the season, they are now, oh, fuck me. Does it even matter where the other NFC North teams are now? Who cares? The division race is over. O-V-A-H, over. So I say, no. I say to you, no, it does not matter. So we'll do this quick. The Minnesota Vikings lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know what, the, what was the score. Google it. Look, it. look it up for yourself. They are now 6-7 and seven on the season. The Chicago Bears beat the Houston Texans. Again, look up the score on your own. Whatever. Do whatever you want. They improved to 6-7, and seven, but they're still behind many on head-to-head. So the Vikings are still in second place. We're happy for you. And with the loss to the Packers, who, did I mention, are the division champs again? Because they are. The Lions dipped to 5-8 and eight on the season. More importantly, we have a new number one overall seed in the NFC for now. Oh yeah, folks. That is your Green Bay Packers who take over the top spot thanks to Philly beating the New Orleans Saints 24-21. Shout out to Philly. Go Birds! Ah! As Charlie Kelly might say. Hopefully you get that reference. Are there people who don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Who are these people? Out yourselves. Because you need to start watching that show. It's only been on the air for 400 years. Anyways, so the Packers and the Saints are both 10-3, and but obviously as a result of Green Bay's win over New Orleans back in week two, week three, it's been a long year, (laughs) as a result of the win over New Orleans, the Packers have the top spot as of now. And remember, seven teams per conference this year in the playoffs, and only the top seed gets the bye. So that number one spot, getting that bye would be huge for Green Bay, huge. In fact, I'm going to say conference stuff will probably go ahead of divisional stuff going forward on the show, at least for the rest of the season. As one more time, in case you didn't hear me, say it with me. Not the exclusive company, but say it with me. The Packers are division champs. Before we get into the fun, and God, I hope you've already been having fun already, but if you haven't, I've got to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Went on a bit of a Saved by the Bell tweet binge over the weekend as E was doing a Saved by the Bell marathon that started, I think, Friday night. I think it goes to like 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, so that that cost me a few followers, I'm not going to lie. Apparently people did not like all the Saved by the Bell tweets. So I follow, So how did I respond? I did a poll about... For the guys, which of the three Saved by the Bell ladies you like the most? Kelly Kapowski, Jesse Spano, Lisa Turtle. Kelly Kapowski won that in a landslide. And then for the ladies, I did a who do you like more, Zach Morris or A.C. Slater. And Zach Morris won that in a landslide. Probably not surprising either way, but... 
Anywho, the, tw- the Facebook, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts. Uh, the email, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts at gmail.com. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Four stars, those are good. A comment, no one's left one in months. I don't even know why I say it, but fuck it. If you want to, do it. Go ahead. Um, we're on Spotify. Uh, you can find us by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue that sits outside Lambeau Field. I did not say shits this week. I did not get tongue-tied on that one. It sits outside Lambeau Field. And we're on iHeartRadio, uh, so if you have that app, you can find us on there, too, by searching for Packers Talk. Okay, now that we done got that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about this Packers dub. Division title clinching dub. One of the most satisfying dubs you can pick up. Can't rack up much more. Many, you know, it's hard to top that as far as satisfying victories. So, where to start here? There's a few places. I, I feel like I have to start by talking about the offense as a whole, specifically their performance in the second half. Lately, if you've been listening to the show, you know, I've been concerned about the lapses, the funks this offense goes into in the second half. You know, it killed them. They had a strong start against Indianapolis, and it killed them in the second half. It damn near killed them last week against Philly. Again, shout out to the Eagles. Thank you for beating the Saints. So in those two games against Indy and Philly, things just didn't seem as crisp offensively. The play calling seemed off. There was very, very little in the way of killer instinct. Now, you could say that for the team as a whole. But for the offense to be as good as they are, to lack that killer instinct, was very glaring to me. Against the Lions, though, things look much better. Now, you're going to say, Chris, it's the Lions, right? I mean, come on. But still, improvement is improvement, so don't be a dick. (laughs) I mean, those first two drives of the second half, holy Lord, 26 total plays, 154 total yards, and well over 16 minutes ripped off the clock. Good God. Both drives resulting in Packers touchdowns. The passing game was clicking. The running game was working. The blocking was good. And perhaps most importantly, nothing felt forced. Example. First drive of the second half. Games tied at 14. Third and fourth of Detroit 15. And Aaron Rodgers hits Alan Lazard, alien lizard, who just picks up the first down on his momentum. But it worked. Hey, They needed four, and they got four. That is much better. If you've been listening to the show, you know I've been screaming about that. It's one of the things about the offense that drives me nuts, as good as they are, again, that there's this tendency to, you know, it's third and seven, and they're going for 20, right? Third and six, they're going for 30. On that play, they needed four, and they got four. They kept the chains moving, kept the drive alive, lived to fight on. That That hasn't been happening at key points in the second half lately. Again, especially against Indianapolis and Philly. But it happened in that moment. It was huge. The drive ends up in a touchdown. Then, another example to close out that first drive. Speaking of that drive ending in a touchdown. Third and goal at the six. Just under seven to play in the third. Huge play. Right? If the Packers don't get in the end zone there, they've held the ball for over half the quarter and the Lions held them to a field goal. That is a huge win for Detroit. Rodgers takes a snap. Waits. Waits. Season opening to his left. Takes off for the end zone, sprints in for the score. Right? Huge play. Packers capitalized 21-14 now. Green Bay ahead with 6-11 to go in the third. 
I loved, now you're going to say that's a simple play, but it, it, it is. And the, and the Lazard play I just talked about was simple too, but I loved it because Rodgers didn't try to force a pass. You know, he saw, he didn't try to force one to Devontae. He saw he could run and he ran. Now, back in the old days, that was something Rodgers did on the regular. It's not something he likes to do as much nowadays, but he can still move as you saw in that play. He did so there, didn't overthink it. That was important. And speaking of running the ball, not forcing anything, and a sign of improved play calling, the sequence of seven straight runs on the second of those two long touchdown drives, that was something, that was that was, that was was a sight. I'll tell you what, that was something else. In a great way, in the best way. That sequence, I want to talk about that sequence, play by play, really quick, if you'll indulge me. Okay, so we're talking late, what are we, late third quarter now? Let me start out here. And we start with, okay, so the series starts first and 10 on the Detroit 46, late third quarter. Jamal Williams, rush to the right, nine yards. Aaron Rodgers, now it's a scramble, but it still counts as a run. Aaron Rodgers, rush to the left, three yards. Aaron Jones, rush up the middle, eight yards. We go into the fourth quarter now. Scroll down here, damn Yahoo app. Aaron Jones, rush up the middle for nine yards. Aaron Jones, rush up the middle for seven yards. Jamal Williams, rush up the middle for two yards. Jamal Williams, rush to the left, four yards. So starting at the Detroit 46, the Packers go seven straight runs for 42 yards. That takes them from the Detroit 46 to the Detroit 4. How beautiful was that? You know, the run game was working. And the Packers rode it down the field. That's something we haven't really seen that much from Matt LaFleur and offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. But man, I loved it. They didn't overthink it. They saw something that worked and they just rode that fucker into the ground. They almost rode it to the end zone. You know? And lately I do think there's been a little overthinking offensively, especially in the second half when the offense has faltered. It does feel like at times they're overthinking things. Again, third and six, going for 30. You know what I mean? As an example. They didn't overthink anything there. That's a huge improvement. That was so positive to see. It might not seem like it, but that's a big sign for this offense going forward. So those examples sort of cover the the being more sharp, more crisp, and improved play calling areas. Now, the killer instinct, that got better too. That came on the final two drives. First, after Detroit scores to make it 28-21 with 6.30 to play, a mountain of time. All of a sudden... Packers went from being comfortably ahead to being up by a score. Six thirds left. Holy shit. That's, I mean, that's an eon, you know, right there. That's eons of time. Um, And don't worry, I'm going to get to the defense. The, <laughs> the Packers were in a familiar spot, needing to take time off the clock and extend their lead. Keep a hard-charging, desperate opponent at bay. And the Lions were absolutely desperate. Remember, if they'd won today, they were right in the thick of the playoff chase. They needed this game. And they played desperate, too. I'll, I'll tip my cap to the Lions for that. But this time out, as opposed to recent weeks, they got the job done in that spot. Picked up a couple of huge first downs, took three more minutes off the clock, and made it a 10-point game on Mason Crosby's 57-yard field goal. Originally 58. At that point, Titus Kurlong got changed to 57. Still, holy shit, what a kick. I mean, for a player as old as Crosby to nail that, what a kick. That was great. Wow. But that was big. And then, with the score 31-24 now, the Packers, after an unsuccessful Detroit onside kick that, Jesus Christ, almost hit Robert Tunyon. 
Oh my god, that almost hit time. That came really close. That was almost a disaster. More on the special teams. Don't worry, that's coming too. The Packers got the one first down they needed to put the game on ice. There goes just one. That's a tough one to get. That's like closing out the game in the ninth inning. Right? Rodgers on the play-action rollout to his right. Hits Tunyon, who just gets the first down. Dagger. Packers win the NFC North. Now, those two sequences may not seem like much. You're going, Chris, it's only a few first downs. But doing that in those spots was a major improvement for this offense. That makes me feel really good going forward. It should make you feel really good, too. They showed they could take a punch from a desperate opponent, not melt down with a series of three and outs, and keep the momentum firmly on their side. That is fucking huge. I submit to you that that is huge. Now, the opposition is going to get better. But after Sunday, the Packers have to feel better offensively about their ability to keep things from spiraling out of control. Great individual performances from that group, too. Rodgers. No, you know what? No, let's hold off. I I kiss his ass. I talk about him first every week. I kiss his ass first every time. Let's switch it up. I thought the receivers, backs, and tight ends all stepped up in this one in a major way. Gotta start with Devontae Adams. The best receiver on the planet, hands down. Big, big day from Devontae. Number 17. Seven catches, 115 yards, and a score on 10 targets. I want to talk about his two biggest plays of the day and how impressive it was that they came when they did considering how much opponents game plan for him during the week, right? Let's talk about the first one. Third offensive play of the day for the Packers. Rodgers to Adams down the sidelines. He beats the DB, hauls it in, makes a little juke move on another DB, cuts it inside, and he's off to the races. Sprints in for the 56-yard score. Made it 7-7 with eight minutes to go in the first. That was the second longest touchdown of his career. Interesting note here. And he sets a new franchise record with his eighth straight game with a receiving touchdown, passing the immortal Don Hudson. That's the air he's in now, you know? He's up there with Hudson and Sharp. I mean, and Driver, this is incredible. It's just incredible. I got the Devontae Sox laid out tomorrow. That's happening. That is definitely happening. Um... And then fourth quarter, now, really nice work from Devontae and the little wide receiver smoke screen, I think was what Mark Schlereth referred to it as. Adams breaking away for a huge game to the Detroit 35. That basically set up the aforementioned Crosby 57-yard field goal. For him to make those two plays in those spots, one at the beginning and one near the end of the game, two spots when you know opponents are watching for him, you know And those two spots, in particular, I mean, the whole game, but especially in those spots, they're like 17. Keep an eye on Adams, 17. Don't let 17 beat us. And he still did. That shows you how special Devontae Adams is. A special, special player. Again, he's up there. He's he's going up in franchise annals with Hudson and Sharp and driving. I mean, what an incredible career he's had, you know? And you know who else was really good? MVS. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. NFL Eric Bledsoe, the MVS experience, a.k.a. MVS Industries. I have to give him credit. He was really, really good today. Six catches, 85 yards, and a score. You know, great stuff. His touchdown catch was really impressive. Really, all day I thought you you saw Adam, or you saw MVS catching the ball with his hands. Not using his body, catching the ball with his hands. That was a very positive development. That touchdown, though, man. Packers in the red zone. Rodgers hits him on the back shoulder, fade. Tight coverage on MVS, too. Somehow he snagged the ball, held on to it, and for the score, 14-7 Packers with 14-11 to go in the half. 
that was just a really nice catch. I, I, you know, really nice catch. And then he had another big play. Third quarter now. Packers' first offensive series. First series for either team. Third and 14 at the Detroit 42. Rodgers hits MVS for a gain of 21 in the first down. I gotta say, it was a really nice day for him. I think he had the one holding call. But otherwise, it was a good day. You know, was he was he six for six on targets? Look that up. He was six for six. You know, it's hopefully a sign going forward. Now, he is legendarily inconsistent. So I'm not going to say, you know, the worst is over. <laughs> I'm not going to jinx it. But it was a good start. Maybe he can build on this and start to become at least a little more consistent. You know, that would be big for this offense and for this team. Now, the stats aren't incredibly impressive. Five catches, 36 yards, and a score. But Tunyon had another nice day. Talked about his, I talked already about his game ceiling third down grab at the end. He also did nice work getting open for his touchdown catch, which came on a play action pass with Tunyon uh, coming across on the crossing route. For some reason, my fucking lights went out down here. I had to fix that. Um, <laughs> coming across on a crosser, he hauls it in for the score. That made it 28-14 Green Bay with 12-01 to go in the game. But my favorite play of the day from Big Bob, a.k.a. Bobby Touchdowns, a.k.a. Big Bob Season. And I don't remember, I can't remember when it occurred exactly. But how about Big Bob taking out three Lions with one shove block? Did you see that? Did you catch that? If not, search his name on Twitter. You'll find the video. So they're in shotgun. Tunyon's lined up in line. Off, uh, I believe it was off right, off right tackle, and he shoves his man into another defender, and then those two defenders, as they're going down and down to the ground, they then take out a third defender. He blocked three lions with one shove. The magic of Bobby touchdowns. The legend of Bobby touchdowns continues to grow. And then I thought, I thought Aaron Jones ran the ball really, really well in the second half. He would have had more yards too if not for some penalties. More on that in a bit. But yeah, he had a nice day. He finished with uh, what? 15 carries for 69 yards and two catches for six yards. So 17 touches for 75 yards. Not bad. I thought, again, it was really impressive in the second half. Still don't think he's being used enough, especially early in games. That's kind of a concern. I mean, we're, we're early third quarter Sunday and he has four carries and one freaking target in the passing game. Not enough. They need to start getting Aaron. It's December now. You know, you take the bubble wrap off. It's take the tra- it's time. It's time to unleash him. Let's go. What are we waiting for, Matt? Uh, and of course, Rodgers was once again really, really good. Really good in this one. Finishing 26 of 33, 290 yards, three scores, 8.8 yards per attempt. I think he was at like 9.9 yards per attempt at the half, which is super impressive. And then he had the rushing touchdown, which I talked about. Uh, I thought he, you know, I mean, he's the man. Look, Rodgers is the man. I, you know, I just wanted to give some other guys some love first. But Rodgers, I mean, he's the man that makes us all go. He's the MVP front runner. I'm sorry, which was it him or Mahomes that threw three picks on Sunday? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was that was Pat Mahomes. That wasn't Aaron Rodgers. But I thought Rodgers turned in a very smart, very controlled performance in this one. Almost surgical, you could say. Didn't have a ton of the big, huge plays. He had the one to Adams. But he really, he seemed to sort of slice and dice Detroit in the short to intermediate stuff, which was impressive to see. That's just as impressive to me as the long game, the home run balls. You know, I know he said chicks dig the long ball, but but Lamps digs the short to intermediate stuff too. Uh, 
some really nice throws. You know, that touchdown to MVS was a great catch, but it was also a hell of a throw from Rodgers, too, on the back shoulder fade, which is obviously one of his specialty throws, as we know. And with a player as talented as Rodgers under center, you can get away with a less-than-stellar defense. We call this a transition, kids. And that's how I describe the performance of the Packers' defense overall. Maybe maybe that's being a little harsh. I mean, it was less-than-stellar, but then that's just how this defense is going to be as long as Mike Pettin's at the helm, I think. They were themselves today. How's that for a positive spin? I will be a positive Peter for once. They were themselves. They played exactly as you would expect them to, all things considered. There were, I would say, very few surprises. By that, I mean they gave up some points, some really long touchdown drives, three to be exact. They weren't very good on third downs and at times looked totally baffled. On that last point, how the fuck were the Lions able to dupe them on screens three times on one drive? As they did on their second long scoring drive of the day. One that ended with Detroit tying the game up at 14. I don't know. I don't know how the fuck that... It happened. I saw it. You saw it. We all saw it. Three separate times on one drive. How is that even possible? That's insane. And why Christian Kirksey continues to get so much playing time is beyond me. Look, it's it's time to just admit that that signing didn't work. Whether it's the injuries finally taking their collective toll or whatever, I don't know. He just isn't very good, and he's not nearly the athlete we were told he'd be when he signed with the Packers last March in free agency. Just, I think you really saw it today. It was really glaring how much, you know, you you, you go back and look at footage of him when he was with Cleveland before the injury start, started to mount, and this guy looked like a game changer. This guy now looks, I mean, this is, he's a shell of that. I think he's washed. It's time to start giving my guy Kamal Martin, Sky Uma, and Chris Barnes more of the snaps of that position. At least those two are athletes. They are athletic. They are athletes, as Rich Gannon would say. They can move. I don't think you can really say that about Kirksey at this point. How many plays has he made this year? He had the one pick against Indianapolis that came on a tip ball. Otherwise, this guy just has not, you know, it just hasn't worked out. It's time It's time to move on. Now having, got to keep it real. Having said that, there were some positive moments and some very promising performances. That's the weird thing about this defense, man. They have so many terrible moments where you're like pulling your hair out. But then there are some really good moments too. And every week I feel like I can point to a few players and be like, oh yeah, these three guys or these four guys, they had good games. This defense, you know what this defense is? They're that lazy rich kid that you went to school with. I imagine everybody went to school with at least one lazy ass rich kid who, you know, they're not dumb. They're just lazy because, you know, fuck it. They know their dad is going to get them a cush gig when they graduate anyways. The Packers offense being the rich dad in that scenario. You know, they're not stupid. You've seen them get A's. It's like, you got an A. How did you get four C minuses in a row and now you got an A? Like, it's not, you know the talent is there. It's just, it's just not happening. The first four sacks, they were really nice. The first four, excuse me, the four first half sacks, there we go, were really nice to see. The pressure was overall really good in those first two frames. Forcing the three and out after the offense had gone on the long scoring drive to start the third, that was pretty huge too, I gotta say. Loved Darnell Savage sacking Matt Stafford to really cramp what looked like a promising Detroit drive at the end of the first half. Another big play from him, I think it's happening with him, folks. You know, I was a little hesitant. I've been a little hesitant to say. I've been very excited about what we've seen, but I'm I'm gonna say it. And I think it's happening with Savage. You know, look at you know, 
he's turning in big plays. You know, he had the big plays against, he had what, two picks against Chicago. Then had the pick last week, the big sack today. I mean, it's he's starting to put it all together. It looks like he's not, you know what I think it is with Savage? It looks like he's not thinking as much. It looks like he's just trusting what he sees and reacting, which is really important. It's huge. You know, once Nick Collins, and I'm not comparing him to Nick Collins, but once Nick Collins started doing that, I guess, what, his second or third year? That was when Collins took off. You're starting to see it with Savage now. Less thinking, more just going. Which any defensive player or defensive coach will tell you. I mean, that's the key. Um, What's the Bull Durham quote? Don't think it can only hurt the ball club. It's true for football, too. Especially defense. Um... Uh, you know, and I thought I thought Adrian Amos had another really solid day. You know, he's been, he had a tough start to the season. It was rough those first few weeks. But he's gotten better and better, and he's, re, you know, he's really steadied himself, and he's having a, a really solid season. It's nice to see the Packers finally getting the safety tandem. Uh, we thought we were getting right after Savage was drafted. You know, Savage making the big splash plays, and Adrian Amos being the very solid, you know, foundational guy. Again, I compared it to, like, a lead guitar player and a bass player, right? Like Darnell Savage being kind of the Eddie Van Halen, may he rest in peace. And then Amos being the Michael Anthony, the real solid back end, providing that for Savage to jump off of and do all those crazy things. So I like that comparison. I always like to imagine people going, God, is he going to do the Eddie Van Halen, Michael Anthony thing again with Savage and Amos? (laughs) But I did. I just did. So, yeah. And then speaking of 2019 first round picks, another transition nailed. Rashawn Gary ending a Detroit drive with a sack early in the second quarter. That was really nice to see. He's also coming on really strong. In fact, I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it here. I think we might be seeing the beginning of something really special with with Gary. He's just an athlete on a level that most NFL tackles can't hang with. You know, and we knew that coming out of Michigan, that the kid was a special athlete. But he's starting to take that athleticism and channel it into being an outside linebacker and being a damn good one. It's really exciting to see. Didn't play much in the second half. I believe Matt LaFleur said afterwards he was battling some sort of injury. So hopefully that heals up for him. And then up front, loved Kenny Clark's performance. He had another sack and, and was noticeable most of the day. Dean Lowry with another sack. Thought he was pretty good too. But I mean, again, this defense, they are who they are at this point. If the sacks and turnovers are coming, they'll probably get off the field unscathed. If they don't, well, they probably won't. I said recently on the show, I think I said just give up 24 points a week, right? And this team will be really tough to beat. Well, 24 points allowed against the Lions, and the Packers won. So there you go. So if the offense was really good, and the defense was up and down, that brings us to the special teams, which were... Oh yeah, it's time. So look, it's impossible It's impossible for me to say they were trash when Crosby nails a 57-yard field goal and J.K. Scott finally punts the ball well. So what if they were indoors? It still counts. But I mean, another long return given up? Another long return? How? How? Why? No! No! Are you shitting me? Yep. It happened. Following Crosby's epic field goal, right on cue! Special teams gives up a huge kick return to Jamal Agnew, 71 yards, almost broke it, Lions started the Green Bay 33. That led to Matt Prater's short field goal that made the score 31-24 and kept the Lions alive. Thanks, Sean. This is unacceptable. I mean, I don't even know what other words to use unacceptable, terrible, travesty. What am I supposed to say? They gave up a punt return touchdown to Jacksonville. They gave up one to Philly last week. Now they almost give up a kick return touchdown today. What is going on here? Are they watching like old Three Stooges episodes in the meetings? What What are they watching? 
And then they almost screwed up the onside kick too. They're lucky that that didn't blow up in their faces. It's just bad. Sean Meninga, there's no way he's long for Green Bay. I'll say that now. I can't imagine he's back as special teams coach next year. I would imagine he'll be fired, yeah. And you know what? It's hard to say it's not warranted. I mean, Jesus, these mistakes keep happening, you know? So 28 minutes and now, right at 28 minutes. Big picture time. Last week, I talked about the stretch drive and how everything at this point needs to be about fine-tuning these areas of, of your team's game that need to be corrected. Against the Lions, we saw some of that in a really good way. The offense looked much better in tight second-half situations. That's what you want to see at this point in the season, right? Talked about the offense. What we saw out of this offense in the second half, that's what you want to see. They got better. That's improvement. That's huge. The defense had some moments, and honestly, that's about as much as we can expect at this point. That's, That's about as well as they can collectively play. If they aren't forcing any turnovers, that is, which they did not in this one. I just, it's hard to, guys, I don't think, you know, I I think Savage getting better will help. And Gary, you know, getting better and coming, those two guys coming on will really help. But just with Petten at the helm, it's just hard to see, even with all that talent. That's the biggest shame about the defense. Kenny Clark, Zedarius, Rashawn Gary, that secondary, Jair, King, Amos, so much talent. And just so underperforming. You know, Patton's not going to be back next year. Don't worry about it. There's no way he's back. So, yeah. I mean, maybe if they win the Super Bowl, but outside of that, probably not. If there is one major fear, it has to be the special teams. Playoff games can turn on a freaking dime. One big special teams play can be the difference. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse for the special teams. Last year, at about this time, if you listen to the show then... Which I hope you did. I said the run defense was going to be the thing that ended Green Bay's season should it end earlier than the Packers wanted it to. And look what happened. This year, I feel comfortable saying it's the special teams. No question in my mind, in fact. So while having a great offense is nice, it is terrifying knowing there's an area of the team that could kill the entire group in one moment. Close playoff game. You give up a big punt return, that could be it. You know? Or you're up by three and they break a big return and end up, you know, that sets up an easy touchdown. That's it. You're going home. See ya. (laughs) There's no seven game series. There's no three game series in this shit. So that's terrifying. There's three games left. They have to figure out something. They're never going to be great. It's never going to be the 96 Packers on special teams. But just somehow be, just somehow level off. Stop sinking. They keep sinking. It's not good. All right, so. So regroup here for a minute. I asked people to send in questions via Twitter and email, and they did not disappoint. So let's get to those now. First question. Oh, my old pal, Adam Summers, brew crewer at a Summers underscore time. He asks, you think they're saving Aaron Jones for the playoffs? Division champs, baby. I don't know what they're saving Aaron Jones for. It's December 13th. What the shit, man? It's time to unleash him. Like, I get he was battling the injury and they wanted to work him back from that, but I mean, you saw last week and you see tonight, like he he's back. He's, he can run. He looks good. It's time to unleash Aaron Jones, especially in the first half of these games. You know? Uh, Philip Voss at P underscore Voss says, I love this team. This offense is as good as any I have seen in Green Bay. This team is 100% capable of winning it all. 
but I just cannot shake the feeling this defense and special teams will let us all down in the worst way in a big moment. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. I sincerely hope you're wrong too, Philip. <laughs> no. Uh, I do though. But yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I don't have anything really to argue. I agree with you that this team is, are they capable of winning a Super Bowl? Yes. I talked about it a little bit last week and, and, and now I'll talk about it. The formula for this Packer team is the offense puts up points the defense doesn't completely fall apart, particularly against the run. They can force a turnover or two, and the special teams doesn't shit themselves. If that comes together, yes, this Packer team, this Packer team absolutely could win a Super Bowl in February or March or whenever it's played. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. You know, the defense too is certainly the special teams is the thing that scares me the most right now. Yeah. Matilla the Hun at Matilla D Hun. Oh, Matilla, haven't heard from me in a while. He says. NFC North champs, baby. Honestly, though, defense isn't great. Are you sending the trend here? I do believe they have enough talent to let this amazing offense take Green Bay to the promised land, especially in this flawed NFC. But this special teams will be the death of them if they can't figure it out before the playoffs. I swear I don't look at these questions before I answer them. But yeah, I mean, that's basically everything I just said, Matilla, that like, I think the special teams, if something kills this Packer team in the divisional round or... You know, any round of the playoffs, it probably will be the special teams at this point. It's just, these playoff games, it's, you know, the margin of errors, it's so small. It's just so tight. And like one big return or one big fumble on a kickoff, anything, you know, it can can kill you. Look at the Super Bowl they won in 96. People forget now that was a close game until Desmond Howard broke it open with the kick return. And they weren't going to lose that game anyways, because they're one of the greatest five teams ever. But, you know, that one play that broke the game. I mean, it's so tight. It's tight. Special teams has to get cleaned up. It has to. Uh, Wesley Wyndham Price at Price Wyndham says, NFC North champs. Okay, but real talk. Why do Packers media and some segments of Packer fandom still feel compelled to defend Mike Pettin? The defensive game plans are bad, whether or not you believe it, so why continue to deny the sky being blue? Are there people who defend Mike Pettin? I don't know if there are. I haven't really seen any. I'm sure they exist. I just, I don't know. I I, I think every, the media may be defending him a little bit, but I think Packer fandom is collectively kind of turned on Mike Pettin, and it's probably, they're ready, I think everybody's ready for him to be gone. And I contend that he would have been fired last after the NFC Championship game. But that I think Mark Murphy and or Brian Gutekunst stepped in and, and told LaFleur not to do it. Why? I have no idea. But there's no other explanation that makes sense to me. So I would think, yeah, he'll he'll get, he's going to get canned. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Justin Cornwell, I enjoyed your follow-up. <laughs> that question, I'm not going to read that on the show though. Okay, so I got some email. I got an email question here? I do, yes. Holy shit, 35 minutes. Goddamn time flies when you're having fun, huh? All right, Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. That game, send us via email. That game once again gave me heartburn, but I really didn't feel like we were in danger, even after another special teams, and he has special teams in quotation marks, blunder. Like I said, I only trust Crosby and Tyler. And I felt after the Lions' first touchdown, Roger said, hold my beer, and to me, cemented his right to the MVP this year. And MVS, where has this side of you been all year? Way to go, dude. Now it's on to the Panthers. Let's keep that number one seed. Uh, 
heartburn a little bit. Yeah, when it was 28-21, just because, like I said earlier, the offense hasn't been good in these tight spots the last month or so. Month, five we- month five weeks. So I definitely had some heartburn. I never really thought they were going to lose. But I, at one point, I remember thinking, like, God, this might end up going to overtime. Yeah. Um, special teams is bad. I agree. I, yeah, I trust Crosby. Um, Tyler Irvin's probably not coming back this year. So let's hope Tavon Austin can ju- can do the job. And, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Rodgers, I think Rodgers is far and away the MVP winner. No doubt. I have no doubt about that. He is the, he's the MVP. He should win, barring something crazy these last few weeks, he should win his third MVP of his career. Third in what, nine years? Incredible. And then I do have, oh, I do have a couple more. I do have one more Twitter question. Let me find it. The United Plates of America at project underscore vanity. In my COVID isolation, I had no witness to my call that instead of running it, they should play action to Tanya to put the game away. Finally, all gas, no break isn't just a catchy slogan. Yeah. Um, United Plates, I agree with you. <laughs> that was awesome. Because I was like, oh, man, third and six. That was a spot where I kind of had some heartburn. Because I was like, shit, third and six. They're probably going to run the ball. Was it third and six, third and four, whatever it was in that spot? I'm like, they're going to run the ball. And milk the clock. They're going to kick it back to the Lions. Stafford's going to run out onto the field and lead them down. And they're going to have... I didn't know if they were going to tie it, but I thought they'd have a shot to tie it. Because I've seen this defense, you know, once or twice. Um, so it was nice to see that call. It was a beautiful call, too. A play-action rollout. Tanyan wide open. Got the, got the first down. It was awesome stuff. And then one last one. One last one. From my old pal, Gene Bossling. One of the original three Old Bag of Donuts podcast hosts. If you remember that far back, give yourself a pat on the back. It was Adam, Gene, and myself way, way back, 10 years ago now. Okay, time for a history lesson. This is the 19th season of the NFC North. Division titles won by each team. Packers 11, Vikings 4, Bears 4, Lions 0. The earliest a team other than the Packers can take the lead in all-time NFC North titles by winning the division for the next eight years is 2028. No team in NFC North slash Central history has won the division more than six years in a row. Let's say the Vikings or Bears draft an elite quarterback tomorrow, start him week one, and keep him healthy for the rest of the decade. By the time either team could surpass the Packers, this theoretical quarterback would be almost would already be almost 30. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Please keep this in mind as you watch the Vikings trot out their Defend the North branding when they face the Bears in a heated battle for the right to root for help from the Eagles against Kyler Murray with a straight face. I gotta give that one a pause. What a question from Gene. Not really a question, a history lesson. Thank you for that, Gene. My old pal it was awesome. Awesome. They really own this division. Owned it. What did they say during the game? It was their 19th division title since 1969 or something. 67. My wife was like, oh, that they've only won 17 or 19 since 67. I said, well, yeah, but you got to remember, they didn't do shit from like 19, from the end of the Lombardi era to like 93. So, so yeah, it's been good. It's good times. It's fun being a Packer fan. I like it. I wouldn't want to be a fan of any other team. We look ahead now. Thank you to everybody who sent along questions on Twitter and email. I appreciate it. 
We close the mailbag. We look ahead now. The Packers will be back in action next Saturday night. Oh, yeah, Saturday night football, baby. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y night. Love it. They're going to be at home hosting the Carolina Panthers. That game is set for a 7.15 p.m. Lambeau time kickoff on Fox and the NFL Network. Oh, I'm so geeked. Oh, dude, hell yeah. I've been geeked about this for forever now. Saturday night football. I love it. I love the Saturday night football right around Christmas. And I love when the Packers are playing it. It's great. I'm so geeked. I can drink during the game. I mean, like, really drink, like, a lot. And then do a drunk podcast after. Or maybe drunk. I don't know if I probably will be. Spoiler alert. I did this last year after the Minnesota game. When they clinched a division on Monday Night Football at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. I just drank the whole game because I had Christmas Eve off. So I just drank the whole game and then did the podcast drunk. And it was a lot of fun. People seemed to like it. So there's a good chance I'm going to do it again. Maybe this will be like an annual tradition. Lemp's annual Christmas holiday time. Christmas time holiday drunk podcast. It's, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really, if you can't tell, I'm really excited. So obviously I will be back. I will be back to recap that one. Win, lose, or draw. It'll be, I'm almost positive Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon when you hear from me next. You'll be listening. I'll be shaking off a hangover. It's going to be fun for everybody. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy-ass world. And remember, always and forever, go Pack. Go. Go.